Okay, let's start our discussion of Parshas Chukas. Just a word of um, scheduling note. Um, there will be a Shir Bezashem next week, uh, Monday night. Monday night, 8.45, because I'm leaving later in the week. So Monday night, 8.45, we'll have a Shir for Parshas Balak. And Bezrat Hashem, I hope to be giving the Shir during the summer via Camp Misora. So it'll be uh, up on the OU website, OU.org, probably Monday or Tuesday nights. I'm not uh, sure yet. You know, camp scheduling is subject to change at any moment. But uh, it'll be up um, from camp on the YU website starting the following week. So hopefully we won't, uh, won't have to miss a week. But next week it'll be up Monday. And the following week will be, um, will be from, uh, from Chutzla Aretz. Okay, let's start off Parshas Chukas and start off with something that's not on your sheet, but uh, a minhag. A minhag that some of you might be aware of. There is a minhag that's quoted in the Magen Avraham in Simen Tov Kuf Pei. Not so famous, but the Magad Avram quotes it, a minute to fast on the Friday of Parshas Chukas. Not the Hebrew date. Whenever the Friday of Parshas Chukas falls out, there is a minhag to fast that day. Magad Avram quotes it. He quotes, Minhag Lezanos Be'er of Shabbos of Parshas Chukas. Why? Mitam Srefas Hasvarim Bayom Hazeh. The Magad Avram quotes from earlier, from the Rishonim, the Shibali Halakad quotes that in 1242, where the Paris Talmud burnings, we say a kina about it on Tisha B'av, um, the tenth of the tenth of Tammuz, but it was it was the Friday of Parshas Chukas, so um, in twelve forty two. So that's the minhag. For some reason, that was accepted, not the Hebrew date, but the Friday of Parshas Chukas. Rabbi Yona, when he heard about the book burnings, the burnings of the Svarim, uh, it's quoted in various sources. Rabbi Yona declared that he said he thought that in his view, obviously he didn't have any proof. But in his view, the Gemaras that were burned, the cartloads, cartloads of Gemaras. Imagine, every Gemara in those days was handwritten. How long it took to write one volume of Gemara. Imagine a truckload, how many Gemaras. And there were, I've got the number, 24 truckloads of, of, of Gemaras. We see a whole kina about the Torah that was lost. How many, how many Kisveyat of Rashi were in there? Rabbi Yonah said, you know why this occurred? It was a punishment because we burnt the Svarim of the Rambam. That's what Rabbi Yonah said. Because a hundred years earlier, those who thought that some of the writings of the Rambam were controversial, they burned his farm in Paris. So says Rabbi Yonah, that's why Klai Yisrael suffered the tragedy of the, book, of, the, of the burnings of the Talmud in a in, uh, hundred years later in 1242. And that is why the Magad Avram quotes that there is an ancient minag, a custom, a fasting on the Friday of Parshas Chukas. Why was this all of a sudden, not the Hebrew date, the Friday of Chukas? So some suggest Zos Chukas HaTorah. This is a chok. Zos Chukas HaTorah. This is a chok of, of having to do with burning, burning Svarim. Zos Chukas HaTorah. Torah Shebel Baal Peh here. The Gemaras. Zos Chukas HaTorah. If one wants to look more, the, the Shibali Haleket is the original source for this. One of the Rishonim in Simon Reish Samach Gimel. So he quotes this. Dog Zera Oraisa. That's what he quotes. Zos Chukas HaTorah. Biyom Vav Zos Chukas HaTorah. Hi Agzera. Umeoso Ayom Ve'ela. Kavu HaYechidim Aleim. Lezanos Kov. Bechal Shana Veshana. Biyom Shishi. Shal Parshas Zos Chukas HaTorah. And they weren't Kovayit on Yom HaChodesh. Etc. So that is just the minhag that we should be aware of. Anybody hears about right certain certain fast days that used to be more common. If you look in the in the Nosekelman Shulchan Aruch, Chav Sivan was also a fast day. Which get there in some sederim they have slichos for Chav Sivan. That was also a day that many tragedies befell Klal Yisrael. But this is one that happens this this Friday and that of Friday of Parshas Chukas. Okay, so let's go back to the, get to the sheet now. Source number one. A thought of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose yard site was two days ago, Gimel Tammuz. He quotes a Rambam. He quotes a Rambam about Para Aduma, 
where the Rambam adds in two words that are very unusual and surprising. I don't know why this Rambam is not more famous, but right now we'll try to make it. Says the Rambam in Paraduma, Hilchas Paraduma Paragimel. At the beginning of Parashas Chukas is all about Paraduma. The Rambam quotes a Mishnah from Meseches Para, Mishnah is all about Paraduma, that says that there have been nine Paradumas in history. That's it. You think, how many Paradumas? Hundreds of Paradumas. There have been nine. Zeo. I mean, a Paraduma can last a long time. How, many, how much ashes one cow makes? You burn the cow, you just use a little bit of ashes for each person that became Tomei Mace. So it lasts a while. Says the Rambam on the third to last line, V'tesha paros adumos na'asu mishenitztavu mitzvazu achachar v'abayis b'shniya. From the beginning of history of Halacha, of Moshe Rabbeinu, until Bayesheni was destroyed, nine paradumas. Rishona asa Moshe Rabbeinu, the first was made by Moshe. Shniya asa Ezra, Ezra HaSofer made the second one. V'sheva me Ezra al-Chorban Abayis. And then seven after that, nine paradumas. And then the Ramam adds, Vaha Asiris, Ose Melech HaMashiach. The tenth one, Mashiach is going to bring the tenth paraduma, so we'll all get tar for, with a with a with a tenth paraduma. And the rabbi has two words: Meheira Yigale. He shall come quickly. So if you and I were, were giving a shear or giving a drusher or giving a dvar Torah at somebody's simcha, we might end off Meheira Yimei Noamein, and it should happen quickly and wonderfully, and Mashiach should come, and so we can end that way. But if we were writing the Mishnah Torah. If we were writing the halachic work where every word was measured and every word was figuring out what word am I going to use here? The Bishop's Torah was written in Hebrew. The only, the only sefer that we have of the Rambam that was written in Lashon HaKodesh. More Nebuchadnezzar and Pirish Mishnayis that was all written in Arabic and was translated. That's why we're so medayik in the language of the Mishnah Torah because every word, it's the language of the Rambam. So the Rambam here in Hilchas Parah says, and the tenth one is going to be given by Mashiach, Meheru Yigoa. What's the Rambam doing? It's getting emotional. Rambam's getting a uh, feeling like he has to mention something. Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe in source number two, the Rambam is teaching us a halacha here. Especially if we think about the Rambam discusses Mashiach, not here. The Rambam discusses Mashiach in Hilchis in Hilchis Malachim, Hilchis Malachim at the end of Mishnah Torah. The Rambam discusses Mashiach, and yet where does the Rambam have this Meheri Yigala in Paraduma? Who's, who reads Hilchis Paraduma? Unless you're learning Mesachas Parah or starting Parshas Chukas. Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe in the second source. It could be argued, however, that with his prayer, Rambam did teach us a point of Jewish law, or to be precise, three points. The Rambam teaches us, Judaism requires a person, number one, not merely to believe intellectually in Mashiach, but also to actively await and yearn emotionally for his coming. Number one, the question that we're all going to be asked, Tipisali Yeshua, one of the six questions, the Gemara says in Masechah Shabbos, did you hope for Mashiach? Did you hope for a better time? That there won't be any Tsaris, there won't be any enemies of Klai Yisrael? Did you hope for that? So that's not just in the back of our minds, but it's, did we yearn for it? Did we, did we need it? Number two, inediv- inevitably, feeling this void will lead a person to pray for Mashiach's coming, just as he prays for any other thing that is lacking in his life. The component of tefillah. The Ram sticks this in there, not because, oh, it's a nice way to end. No, it's a halacha. Mashiach has to be something we daven for, we have kavana for, we hope for. And being that the requirement to believe in Mashiach is enforced at all times, it follows that likewise a person must yearn and pray for Mashiach constantly. The Rambam is in a totally different context. A halacha. 
Paraduma, Hilchus Paraduma. But it doesn't matter what context. Maybe Badafka, says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, is out of context to teach us this halacha. No matter what we're doing, we mention Mashiach, Mehiri Yigala. We mention it, we have to yearn for it, we have to daven for it, we have to hope for it. That is the message that we're, that we're uh, meant to teach us. Right? Three times a day, at the end of our Shemon Asrei, Generally, we're focusing on ending Shmona Asrei there. Not really focused on that Yihi Ratzon. Already going back, we're getting ready for the next part, maybe Chazor Sashat, we're rushing to make Kedusha. But think about what we say three times a day. At the end of our tefillah, we say, Hashem, we don't just want a David, we want the Karbanas. We David for it. We just got to focus on what we say. That's why the Ramah has that in. The tenth Paraduma is coming to be Mashiach. Mehera Yigale. So the next time we hear somebody end off a vart, Mehera Yameinu, ah, they all end off. No, that, that's a kiyam. It's a kiyam of the question of Tzipisa Yeshua. Okay. Let's get to the next thought that I mentioned in a shear a couple of months ago on Parsha's Para on a Shabbos afternoon, but it's uh, worth worthwhile mentioning again. That is a, a thought of Rav Salvechik. The Rav says, first the Ha'ara. The Ha'ara, the note. Last week was Parshas Korach. Perak Yutes in Sefer Bamidbar. Perak, uh, Perak Yudzayin, Yudches, the whole story of Korach. A couple of mitzvahs given to Korach. And uh, the Matanus, Matanus Kahuna given. That was all Parshas Korach, Perak Yudches. Fine. Then we have, let's skip Perak. After that, we have Perak Yutes, which is Zoschukas Torah, Paraduma. And then we have Perak Chaf. What happens right after the Parsha of Paraduma, the beginning of Perak Chaf? Chaf Aleph, Vayavob Bnei Yisrael Chol Ha'edah Midbar Tzin, Vachodesh HaRishon, Vayeshavam Bekadesh, Vatamas Sham Miriam, Vatikav Sham. Miriam dies. Beginning of Perak Chaf, Miriam dies. Meaning, Perak Chaf is year 40. Miriam, Aaron, and Moshe all died in year 40, before they went in. So Perak Chaf is year 40. Perak Yudches, right, Yuzayin Yudches, Korach, that was all at the beginning. That was the second year after they went out from the Midbar. So Perak Yudches is the second year. Perak Chaf is the 40th year. There's 38 blackout years, as the Rav called it. 38 years. We know nothing. We know nothing from what happened, from Parshish Korach to Parshish Chukas. Those years are missing in Torah Shebech Nothing is mentioned. We know what happened from Parshish Masay. We'll get to all the Masos, but that's in a couple of weeks. But Perak Yudches to Perak Chaf is missing 38 years. They're not there. What's stuck in the middle? The first parak in Chukas. All about Paraduma, which is not about any event. It's just about the laws. The laws of Paraduma. Asks the Rav, why is this stuck in here? First of all, the Ha'ara, that we just missed 38 years. And we don't usually focus on the dates. From Yudches, remember, all of, Parshis, all of Sefer Dvarim is a couple of months. Right, that's it. Shvat Adar, that's it. Six weeks. The whole Sefer, by mid, whole Sefer Dvarim. So all of a sudden, this week's Parsha, we transitioned 38 years. So what happened during those 38 years? We don't know anything. Besides, um, in Torah Shebech But we do know that the Torah stuck in the Halachas of Paraduma. Why? What do you mean, why? Where should it be? Said the Rav, I'll tell you where it should be. Halachas of Tum and Tara? We have Sefer Vayikra for that. Tazriya Mitzorah. All Halachas of Tum and Tara are in Tazriya and Mitzorah. So why isn't Chukas there? This is also Tumantara. So you can only ask the question, why if you have a better place for it? Says the Rav, I have a better place for it. The better place for it is in Sefer Vayikra. So why isn't it in Vayikra? And B, why is it here specifically the transition 
It's the transition. It's the segue from Korach, year 2, to Miriam's death, year 40. So what exactly is the message? Says the Rav. Source number 3, this is in, printed in Reflections of the Rav, volume 2. There's an article there about Paraduma. Says the Rav, start off with another question, which many Mepharshim ask. Zos chukas Torah. Why is it chukas Torah? It should be zos chukas hapara. This is the laws of the cow. What do you mean, Zeus Torah? This is the Chok of the Torah. So says the Rav, because there is something here that is a Chok, maybe the ultimate Chok, the ultimate idea that we don't understand in life of the entire Torah. We propose, source three, that the singular Chukah here is not merely in the performance of the ritual, but rather in the mind-defying mystery of death itself, whose defiling effects the watery ashes seek to counter. Death, the Torah tells us, has a contaminating effect. Death is a mocking fate which awaits us all, a trauma of human helplessness which disturbs our existential serenity. We can't, we can't deal with it. Reb Chaim used to say that when he used to, he used to get so crazy about it, he just had to take out a Masechah's Ahalos, all about Tumas Mace. That's how we calmed down. He, he couldn't deal. Oh, how we should reach that level. We take out a Masechah's Ahalos to calm us down from death. Right? When we can't sleep at night, we should take out a Mesechazalus. Right? So, but, but he, we can't de- deal with it. It is an absurdity which undoes all of man's rational planning, his dreams, his hopes. We plan, right? Man plan and God's laughs. Is that the phrase? We wonder why should the foremost of God's creations have an awareness of his mortality and therefore live in constant dread and distress in the face of its inevitability. The ultimate chok of our lives is death, is Misa. Zos Torah. It's not saying paraduma. It's what paraduma is there to counter. The underlying idea in this first parak, parak yutes, is the idea of misa, which is beyond rationale, which is beyond our, in our, beyond our sensibilities. Continues the Rav in the next paragraph. Death in the animal world is not tragic. The species is not diminished by the death of an individual. One poor animal dies? Okay. But the species live on. Many Rishonim say there's no hashgacha for any individual animal. There's hashgacha on the species, not on the individual animal. Among brutes, the individual significance is only as a representative of a particular class. But skipping down, each person is a microcosm, an olam katan, an individuality with dignity, an orig- original with worthiness. Right? That is a person. So when a person dies, it is a chok. That is zos kukasatora. Step one. Step two. Step two. What is required to get rid of Tomas Mace? This is unlike any other tahara of any other tuma. If I touch a dead insect, I have to jump in a mikvah. Right? If I become tame in any other way, I have to jump in a mikvah. That's how I become tahara. Maybe I have to wait a certain amount of days. But I basically... There's tahara, there's tevila, you go into a mikvah. Only by tumas mace is there something added. Not just a mikvah, but something called haza'a, sprinkling. I need the ashes of the para'aduma sprinkled upon me. Why is that? Why is tumas mace different in that, it's not just quantitatively you're more tame. Right? Tummy mace, you're tummy for seven days. There are other tumas. Uh, Anita is tummy for seven days. Azav is tummy for seven days. There are other tumas for seven days. So what is it about tumas mace that one requires not only 
Tomei Meis also has to go to a mikveh at the end. But we require hazaa, we required sprinkling upon us. What's the symbolism of that? Says the Rav, where I wrote E. The two cleansing acts, hazaa and tefillah, are strikingly dissimilar in the manner of their performance, and one may derive lessons from each. Tevilah requires that the defiled enter the water entirely on its own initiative. I go into a mikvah. I take the initiative. I jump, bowing the head, bending his knees, and submerging in a sea, river, lake, or any other mikvah. He then emerges, tahar cleans. He could do it. If he is lazy or fearful of water, his status cannot be changed. The defiled must perform the act himself. It cannot be done for him. He defiled himself, and he must cleanse himself. Tevila implies a capacity to change one's condition. Mikvah reflects me. I'm doing something. The person is acting. The person is going into the mikvah. So therefore, every other tumah in the world, I did something to make myself tameh. So I touched a dead insect. I, you know, basically almost every, almost every uh, tefillah, but it's basically tefillah is something that I actively do. It is a suggestive of all forms of human initiative, creativity, and freedom. The ability of man to transform his life, etc. Hazaah is not that. If a Kohen becomes Tamei Mace, he can't sprinkle on himself. Hazaah requires to be sprinkled upon. People need to sprinkle, the Kohen sprinkles on me. Hazaah requires, it's beyond me. I can't, I can't do it myself. That's Hazor. Who is really being retire me by Hazor? The coins, the shliach, but it's really Hakadosh Baruch. Bottom of the page. It is the Almighty represented by the Tahar, who is the ultimate purifier of the scourge and terror of death. The totally irrational ritual of Paraduma suggests that human efforts to comprehend death and to lessen its dread are futile without an acceptance of, of a providential, providential God. How do we deal with Thomas Mace? Only when I say to myself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're in charge. I can't be Matar myself. Going into a mikvah is not going to help me get out of Tomei Mace because that's not what Thomas, Thomas Mace is about. Thomas Mace is about something that's beyond human comprehension, human control. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. So you know how we're Matar ourselves? By something that somebody else is in charge. I'm sprinkled, it's sprinkled upon me. That's step two. Step one is the chok is death itself. Step two is Hazar versus Tefillah. Tumas Mace requires Hazar. Not only Tevilah. Finally, punchline. Step three. Why is this dafka here between Parak Yudzayin and Parakhaf? What were Klai Yisrael doing these 38 years? What was happening during these 38 years? We know one thing that was happening. They were all dying out. All the 600,000 men that took part in the Miraglim Every year, how many Avelim were there? How many Yisomim were there? How could the nation go on? How could they live by so many people dying? All the Shvatim, only two people that went out of Israel, two men were going to make it in. How could they go on? How could they continue? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, what's stuck in to these 38 years? The only thing we know is Zosku Kasat Torah. You want to know how to deal with it? Paraduma. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. Take comfort in that there is a Menachim, there is a Metahir, there is someone that has a divine plan. This had to happen. We spoke a few weeks ago, Parshishlach. It's just part of nature. You reject the land, the land you can't go into the land. Rafael Shulevit said that. So says the Rav, that's why this Parsha is stuck in. It's not in Vayikra, because this is Kaisal, need this message. In these years, 
That's what's needed. And the last page, the turning over the page. Um, if you look in H, where I wrote H on the bottom, the chapter of Paraduma is a bridge spanning events that happened 38 years apart from the rebellion of Korach to the arrival at the wilderness of Tzin. That's just an amazing ha'ara. I didn't see any other mafarish make that ha'ara, just that we missed 38 years with this parak. But the Rav not only does that, he tells us what the message is. It is a somber reflection of those tragic years during which the Exodus generation, Yotze Mitzrayim, was dying in the desert, making way for the generation of the desert, Dorha Midbar, who were to enter the Holy Land. And this Paraduma chapter, with its message of triumph over the melancholy of death, is appropriately situated. That's why Zosukas Torah is where it is in Torah, in Torah Shebechsaf. Okay. So now let's get back to what we just read before. The first, continuing after Paraduma, so we have the death of Miriam. Parachaf Pasagala, Miriam dies. Does not say what date. Torah Shebechsaf does not have the date of Miriam's death. It says the Chodesh Arishon. There is only one yard site recorded in the Torah. We know Moshe Rabbeinu also Zion Adar, but that's not in the Torah anywhere either. It's just based on the math of when the mun ran out and say for Yoshua and you work backwards, Moshe Rabbeinu lasted for a month, you work backwards, you get to Zion Adar. But in the Torah, there's only one death that's recorded at a yard site, and that is Aaron Akoin. First day of Av. Rosh Chodesh Av is his yard site. That's the only yard site recorded in the Torah. Uh, but we know a lot from Midrashim. But Miriam died in this week's Parsha. Says the Gemara Mesechas Tainus, Chazal that some are familiar with, source number four. Rabbi Yosef Bar Yehuda Omer, Shlosha Parnasim Tovim Amdali Yisrael. There were three great leaders in the desert of Bnei Yisrael. Eluhain, Moshe, Va'aron, and Miriam. Right, the three great personalities in the desert. Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. Vigimu Matanas Tovos Nitnu Al Yadam. And we had the Bnei Yisrael had three special gifts that were given to us. Bischus these leaders. Ve'Eluhain. Thank you. Be'er va'anan v'man. Be'er b'schus Miriam. The be'er was given b'schus Miriam. That's why we had the uh, the water. Be'er. Amur anan b'schus Aaron. Aaron. <coughs> b'schus Aaron, we have the amur anan, the cloud. And man b'schus Moshe. Right? Each of them line up. Mesa Miriam nistalika be'er. Once Miriam died, the be'er left. What happens right after Miriam died? They didn't have water. The But then it came back because Moshe and Aaron were still there. Aaron died. The Ani Yechavid left. They came back. Once Moshe died, that was it. They were all going to leave, and that's why they had to go into Eretz Yisrael. But these were the three. Ask the Mabit. Mabit, one of the early Achronim, in his Sefer Beis Elokim, Source number five. We know three wonderful miracles. If we think about it, though. We have one holiday that celebrates one of these miracles, and the other two do not merit their own holiday. Sukkis, Ananea covered. There is no Yantif that celebrates the Mun. Okay, Lacha Mishnah. But we don't have a holiday about the Mun. We don't have a holiday. We don't have anything about the Be'er. What do we, how do we remember the Be'er? Alright, so what, how is it? Um, why is that? Why is there only a holiday, says the Mabit? About the Anna Kovid. Aaron Akoin, he was special, he was wonderful. Oiv Shalom, Virodev Shalom. This is a good Sukkot right? So, why is it that the uh, Aaron Akoin and the Anan were the only ones? Viroi Lossi's Tam Bemakam Zeh, says the Mabit. Let me explain. We have Sukkis as a remez to the Anna Kovid. Velo Hukva Shum Remez Lenes Habeer. 
excuse me, Vahamon, Shehismidu Gamkin, Kalarboim Shana, Shehayuba Midbar, Biskos Achim Aroim, the shepherd brothers, Aaron and Moshe. They also were wonderful, the Mon and the Be'er. But why is it that they uh, did not get a holiday? Kinegdam, while the Anayakavit did get. Why is that? The Yefshar Lomar, middle of line three, maybe as follows. Yes, the man and the be'er were miraculous. And everybody realized that they were miraculous. And they lasted for 40 years. Yes, they were miraculous. But you know what? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes a nation out to the desert, two million people... He's got to give him bread and water. What's he going to do? He's got to give us the basic necessities. He didn't have to do it in a miraculous way, but he had to give us the basic necessities. He had to give us bread. He had to give us water. So yes, the Ma'an and the Be'er were miraculous, but he had to give it to us. Those miracles do not reflect the unique love that Baruch Hu has for us. They were miraculous, but he kind of had to do it. He didn't have to make everything flat. We all live with potholes on the street, right? We could go over mountains, right? So we didn't have to do that. Okay, a couple of people would have gotten some snake bites, scorpions, whatever. He didn't have to do it. We could have lived. But says the... Says the Mabit, You know wants to freeze at night and be, be boiling during the day. It was built-in air conditioning. So that's why we have a yantif for them. Even things that were not required and needed. That really reflects HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love for us. And that is why we have a yantif for Anane HaKavid. Specifically, yeah. Okay, maybe. That's an idea. Another idea. Maybe they, by the water and the mon, they complained about in order to get them. So they complained. We don't have, if, we, if, we, if we're going to have a yantif, we don't have any, any shemets of uh, something negative. Mashenki and Anani Akavid, well, we never, well, they have to say also, they had a, what were they going to complain about? It's too hot, it's too cold? I guess they could have. They complained about everything else. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Afinami, maybe that's another, uh, another idea that there's a, a, a taina against that. Okay, I, I say that t- a little tongue-in-cheek, they complain about everything else. Most of the years, we don't know what happened most of the years. It just seems that way because we read Sefer by Midbar and every Parsha there's something negative. But remember, they were on a, such a level, we, we read the, we read the, uh, we read the Psukim, but there's obviously much, uh, much deeper ideas about every, everything that we have. Okay. Continuing, moving right along. Let's go to Parachaf. Parachaf. Pasik. Let's read again. They're complaining for water right after Miriam dies. There was no water, but you call on Moshe and Aaron. And they gathered on Moshe and Aaron. Right? They gathered to Moshe and Aaron. And they argued with Moshe. They said, We should have died in Mitzrayim. Why do you bring us here? So we all die. Why are you bringing us here? Moshe and Aaron come and they fall on their faces. Classic Klayakar. Picks up the Psukim 
focusing on all these psukim, picking up differences that we don't notice right away. Says the Klayakar in source number six. Mitchila Namar Vayikala Moshe Aaron. If you look in Pasik Bays, it says they gathered against Moshe and Aaron. Very next phrase, they fought against Moshe. Who they come to? First Pasik Pasik Bays, they came to Moshe and Aaron. Next Pasik, they came to Moshe. So what happened? And then what happened? The next Pasik. Plural. They're talking to Moshe and Aaron again. And then it says back, back to singular. What's going on here? Moshe and Aaron, Moshe. Moshe, plural, singular. The Akagaf, back to the Klayakar. The Akagaf, back to the Klayakar. The Ode, one more question. If you look in Pasuk Dalid, they say, why did you bring us to this desert? And Pasuk K, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Shouldn't it have been the opposite order if they're complaining, at least chronologically? All these different titles of Klal Yisrael. What is the double Russian here? What is the switching? Vahabir l'kolzeh says Rav Shlomo Ephraim Lenshitz Vahabir l'kolzehu sheyedu Yisrael shahabeir hayabeschus Miriam. They knew the Gemara in Tainus. They knew that the beir was beschus Miriam. The Haman beschus Moshe. The Anan Yakav beschus Aaron. They knew. They knew all these three miracles. The Ilu Halchu Derecheres Nosheves Lahayutzrichin l'kolzeh. Had they gone straight in, they wouldn't have needed any of these because right? they would have gone in in a couple of days. The Yadua. Really, they knew that going out of Mitzrayim, that was Moshe. By Aminu Bashem of Moshe Avdo, the first step of the process was Moshe Rabbeinu. Kamosha Kasav. Kizem Moshe Ha'yesha Sher Ha'alanu, what they said by the Egel. Avomashin is Ratzuli Kanis Ba Midbar Ha'yal But once they got to the Midbar, they knew the Chazal. He needed all three. They needed water. They needed cloud. They needed bread. So going out of Mitzrayim, they knew Moshe was in charge. Coming to the desert, they knew Moshe and Aaron and Miriam were all together. Miriam is dead now, so no, she's not here, but Moshe and Aaron. Therefore, Nomar, first it says, he goes through the Pesukim now. It's A-B-A-B, if one uses a poetic uh, language to break it down. A, first line, Pazig Meis. They come to Moshe and Aaron. They don't tell me what they complained to them about yet. Then, they came to Moshe. They don't say what they complained to him about yet. And then, says the Klayakar, V'yachar kach, Pireh shal Rishon Rishon. You go back to A, Kimashe Nikalu al Shnehem Hainu, K'day Lomar V'alon HaVesem Eskahal HaShem Ala Midbar. Why did you bring us to the desert? Because that goes to Moshe and Aaron. Because Moshe and Aaron were responsible for bringing them to the desert. Kishneim HaYusibolahem Lavo Ala Midbar. But then, they argued with Moshe, B.B. A.B.A.B. What about the last question? Why'd they first complain? Why'd you bring us here before they complain? Why'd you take us out? This was a greater, stronger claim. There was nothing wrong with going out of Mitzrayim if they would have solved this problem of where they were going to go to. 
The problem was the Midbar. Once they broke into the Midbar, then even leaving Mitzrayim was bad. Once they left Mitzrayim, per se, that wasn't bad yet. And that's why you bring us out in the first place. So just reading the Psukim, says the Klayakar, there are really two complaints here, two addresses to their complaints. Aaron and Moshe, Moshe, then explain what they were complaining to Aaron and Moshe about, and then what they were complaining to just just, um, Moshe about. Okay, so that's just a deeper idea of explaining a number of Psukim. Okay, the next discussion that we're going to have, which is the second major uh, event that happens in this week's Parsha. First event is not an event, it's Halachas, Parsha's Chukas, all about Paraduma. But the next event is the Parsha of the Memoriva. Parsha of the Memoriva. What's fascinating is that the Torah leaves it so unclear what exactly occurred, even though this is such a defining moment in the life of Moshe and Aaron. It's, this is, they lose Knesset Eretz Yisrael with this event. Tell us what happened. And so it could be that even with all the pshatim that we're going to mention, Torah didn't want to say it. Torah wanted to leave it up to us. We didn't want to even say exactly, Moshe and Aaron did this. You know, you figure it out. I'll hint to it, Kodesh Baruch Hu says. But after all is said and done, um, they're still, we're not exactly sure what exactly was the was the hate that is going to be referred to over and over and over again, as Rashi says in, in weeks, uh, in, the, in, the, in the next couple of weeks, whenever Hashem says to Moshe, you're not going in, he has to repeat the hate. Because he doesn't want anybody to think there was any other hate. This was it. This was it, whatever the hate was. Let's read the Psukim. Let's read the Psukim, and then we'll see some of the Pshatim. So, Parachav Pasuk Zayin. Ha'idam Hashem Moshe Leymar. Hashem says to Moshe, Kaches Amate, take your stick, so where the stick is going to be used for something, if he says, take your stick. Gather the Eda, you and Aaron, you shall speak to the Sela. Speak to the rock in front of them. And the rock will miraculously produce water. You'll take out water from the rock. And you'll give the people and the animals to drink. Wonderful. That's the tzivli. Go talk to the rock. Why do you tell him to take the stick then? Doesn't say. Take the stick and go talk to the rock. Okay, maybe you can use it for abracadabra. Doesn't, uh, Torah doesn't say. So Moshe says, So Moshe takes the mate. He gathers them. And he says to them, Shimu na hamorim. Listen up, you rebellious people. What made him say that here? I mean, it's after a lot of stories that have happened. Baloscha, Shlach, Korach, Chukas. You named the Parsha. But then you saw a complaint. So maybe Moshe's just had enough here. But, Are we going to bring water out of this rock for you? Vayar Moshe as Yado, Moshe lifts up his hand, Vayach es hasela b'matehu pa'amayim. And he hits the rock twice. Vayetsu mayim rabim, vateisha And water goes out, and the Ada and the, their animals drink. Very unclear. We know what happens, but a lot we don't know what happens. What was Moshe upset about? What 
why didn't he just did he talk to the rock? Hashem told him to talk to the rock, and then he says uh, that he says a question rhetorically. Are we going to bring water? And then he does bring water. So what exactly is meant? That is why it's such ambiguity that all the mafarshim, everybody has their own shot. What exactly is the uh, was the sin? We're just going to do one source this year. The other years will do future. We're just going to do one source, maybe the classic source on this topic, and that's the Ramban. The Ramban quotes three different shatim. What exactly was the chait? Each one focusing on a different element in these sukkim. Again, this is it. Right, let's just read what happened. What's Hashem's reaction to this? That's it. No warning. No, no, two strikes. Yan lohem mantim bi. Lahaki Yisrael. Because you did not believe in me to sanctify me. You're not coming into Eretz Yisrael. Wow. It's amazing, amazing uh, reaction. That's it. Moshe and Aaron are not coming. So what exactly was the chait? So, let us see what the Ramban says. Says the Ramban in source number seven. First he quotes Rashi. The Ramban already says, it's not Mefurish. So I didn't see any of the Rishonim. They don't talk about it. So why is it the talk? So they all pick up on a Pasuk and say, oh, that's the key. But when you step back, I think it's an amazing thought that the Torah did not specify, really. He, the Torah left it up to the Rishonim to figure out. Zvarashi Pirish. So Rashi says, The most famous Pshat. He was supposed to speak to the rock, not hit the rock. Why did he hit the rock for? He hit the rock? That was the Avera. That was the Avera. She'ilu Dibra, because had he spoken to the rock, oh, if Moshe would have spoken to the rock and water would come out, what an unbelievable miracle. What a Kiddush Hashem that would have been. And because he hit the rock and got water from the rock, that was not a Kiddush Hashem, that was a Chil Hashem. And therefore, that was why he was punished. Why? Because they would have said, This rock that's inanimate, it does the Tzibi Hashem, so we surely will learn a kavachomer from the rock. That is what Rashi says. Vidivrei agadahim. Says the Ramban, I'm not going to blame Rashi, he's quoting a medrash. Divrei agada. But the Ramban says, Avalonis chavru. I'm sorry, I don't like this pshat. Even though this is the pshat that we all learn growing up, right? You hit the rock instead of talking to the rock. But that's the Ramban. Two problems. Number one. Why Hashem told him to bring the matah for if he wasn't supposed to use it? He obviously had the matah for a reason. So yes, Hashem said to speak to it. So you know he probably meant, as you're hitting it, talk to it. What did he tell him to take the matah for if the key was to talk to the rock? Think back. Moshe Rabbeinu had done a lot with this matah. Kriyas Yamsov, some of the makos. So the matah was used before. But here, if he's telling him to take the matah, if he was supposed to speak to the rock, why? So it must not have been dafka. V'chein v'makaz Mitzrayim. She'amar v'amata she'nepach l'nachash t'ikach b'yadecha. V'u l'hakos po. U'lufam b'myomar n'teas yadcha. V'ratzon alomar l'hakos b'mate. Ki akasav yikatsu b'davar ha'nishba. So what exactly? I don't like Rashi. First of all, why do you take the mate? Number two, an even stronger question. V'yein ha'neiz gadol b'dibur yosem yihakah. What is a bigger miracle to talk to a rock than to hit a rock? But to hit a rock and get water, that's not so miraculous. But Israel would have said, oh, that's nothing. What, what's, they're, they're both miracles. 
Why is it a great America for talking to the rock than for hitting from the rock? Ki hakol shove etzel It's a great line. From the rock's point of view, it's not given water when you talk to it or whether you hit it. So what's, what's Rashi getting at? So number one, why the mate? Number two, what's the difference? Va'o number three, line eight. Lama amar bazem ma'altenbi. What kind of mi'ila, what kind of, of rebellion was this against God? The, the water came in the end. So the Ramban does not like Rashi's pshat. There are many answers for Rashi, not for now, but again, that is Rashi's pshat. There obviously is something, according to Rashi, that is greater about talking to the rock than hitting the rock. The mata, that's a side problem. But there's, it must be a different type of miracle. To look in the other Mepharshim, in the Mepharshim Rashi, in the Gorarye, in the Mizrahi, what is it about talking to a rock than hitting a rock? But that is shot number one and that of Rashi. The Ramban quotes the Eben Ezra. He doesn't really quote what he says, but he quotes he doesn't like the Eben Ezra's shot. We're not going to do that one. Let's go to where he quotes the Ramban. Line 15. Vaharav Rabbi Moshe. The Ramban quotes the Rambam. Rabbi Moshe Savarbo Svara. He says the following. So if you if you want to just keep keep uh, keep score, Rashi says the chait is in Pasig Yud Aleph. Vayaches Asela. The Rambam is about to say the chait was in the previous Pasig, in Pasig Yud. We'll see where the Ramban's chait is. So the Rambam is going to say a second shot. Rabbi Moshe Savar Bo Svara Viyamar, line 16. Ki Moshe Rabbeinu Olav HaShalom Chatu Chetohu Shenata Litzad Haragzonis. He got angry. Ba'amro Shimu Nahamorim. Listen up, you rebels! That was Moshe's chait. Ka'as. He got angry. Dikdik Olav HaShem Yisbarach. HaShem was medaptik with him. She Adam Kamohu Ko'es Bifnei Adas Bnei Yisrael B'makam She'en Ruboro'o Yakas. Right? What? Moshe, in front of everyone? Now sometimes, you know, if we're alone, sometimes we'll act in a certain way. Besides, if somebody else is there, we have to control ourselves. You know, so it's good that somebody else is there. If we're in a place, we have to, we have to control ourselves. We can't. Like, if, if, we're, if we're in a car and, and we're sitting in traffic, right? Or if somebody, somebody cuts us off. Hopefully there's a child in the car so that we'll have to make sure we watch what we say. Right? But well, we have to control ourselves. Moshe Rabbeinu was in front of all of Klai Yisrael here. The Ram- How can you get angry? How can you scream at them? How can you lose your temper? Shimana Morim, Moshe Rabbeinu, all Klai Yisrael is watching you. On Moshe Rabbeinu's level, this was a tremendous Chil Hashem. They looked at Moshe Rabbeinu's action, every act. Every act that a Tamar, a a Gadol Ador does. You go to a Gadol Ador, everybody just stares at them. You stare at them, you're like, oh, what is he doing now? What's he doing now? You stare at them because you learn from every act that they do, every little thing that they do. Right? I've mentioned the story before, the humorous story about Rav Moshe at a bris. Rav Moshe was one time at a bris, and he was um, he reached for some orange juice, and then he put it down. And they're like, oh, and Moshe, Rav Moshe doesn't drink Tropicana. There's a Tropicana, and then they asked Rav Moshe, they asked him afterwards, Rabbi, what's, what's wrong with Tropicana? He's like, it was empty. Right, it was empty. I put it down. Right, I wasn't, I'm not being mocked on anything. 
It was empty. So we, we look at the little acts of every Gadolador. So Moshe Rabbeinu was the ultimate Gadolador. Imagine how they must have looked at Moshe Rabbeinu. Every single act that he did, what is he doing now? What's he doing now? His face was shining. They said, oh, it must be, if we do exactly what he does, we're going to get to Olam Haba. Everything he does is perfect. He's the Isha Lokim. And now he gets angry in front of all of them. And he insults them. Says the Rambam, and this is one of the worst. Right, the, the Rambam knew what he wrote in Hilchas Deus. The Rambam says, every Midah, when it's supposed to go to Shvil Azov, the golden mean right in the middle, except for two Midos. Two Midos, you have to go to the extreme. Gaiva and Kaas. Everything else in the middle. Those two, extreme. Extreme humility and extreme um, not getting angry. V'lotavo ki'im mitchuna ra'a mitchunes ha'nefesh. That's the Rambam. I skipped a couple of lines. Elu dvarav zal. That's the Rambam's prat. So what's the problem? Shimuna ha'morim. That was the problem according to the Rambam. Says the Ramban, he doesn't mince any words. Hosif Hevel Al Havalim. Does not like the Rambam. Shahakasuvomar Marisem P. Shahavruadvaro. The Pasik says over and over again, You rebelled against me. Getting angry is not a rebellion against Hashem directly. So he lost his temper. But is that a violation of what Hashem told him to do? Marisem P. Shahavruadvaro. Baba Lohemantem B. Shlohemino B. Right? And says the Ramban, I'll tell you what, there's an even more explicit case in the Torah where Moshe got angry and we don't find that Hashem punished him for it. Skip a couple of parshas. The end of Bamidbar. When the army came back, he got angry. The Torah says, cuts off. It says he got angry. Chazal don't say a word that Moshe was at fault for saying Shimon HaMorim. No, it's just like he said to them other times. You guys got to get your act together. How many times can I save you? How many times? You got to stop complaining about that. Says Ramban, Moshe didn't do anything wrong by getting angry at them. It doesn't fit into the Psukim. And you don't find that he got taken to task with other times he got angry. But that's the Rambam. So we have Rashi, we have the Rambam. Finally, we have the Ramban himself. Right, also, just by the way, he adds another question. What about Aaron? Va'o, where it's underlined, ki Aaron lakas miyamav. Ki v'shalom v'bishar alach me'odo. Aaron never got angry. Aaron, oh, v'shalom v'rodev shalom. He never got angry. And therefore, we say that he was punished also with Moshe Rabbeinu. So what exactly is the problem? So, final shot. That of the Ramban. Turning the page. Line three, on top. V'hakarov min advarim shenemru bazeh. V'hu tov litchos hashoel. The third shot says the, says the Ramban, heim divrei Rabbeinu Hananel. I think it's the words of Rabbeinu Hananel. Shekasav ki achet zehu amran hamin hasela hazeh notzi lochem mayim. Says the Ramban, it's not the f- f- uh, phrase of Shimuna Hamorim, like the Ramam says, it's the next phrase that Moshe and Aaron said. Are we going to give water out for you? Are, is he 
going to bring water for you? They're taking credit here. Kiderach Sha'amar, Beseis Hashem, Be'erev Basar, Le'echol V'gomer. When they say that Hashem is the one that brings the Basar, or the Man. What are they taking the credit? We're going to give water? Excuse me, Moshe and Aaron. That's rebellion against the Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's Meimariva. They always gave Hashem the credit. Maybe there were people out there that really thought it was Moshe and Aaron. That was the problem. They took the credit themselves. And even if they didn't mean to, they weren't clear. We mentioned last year the Meshachachma says part of the reason, obviously, is because of this hate. But another reason that Moshe had to die before they went into Eretz Yisrael was because they would have started to deify him. They would have thought he was a god. Because after all, everybody went into uh, Eretz Yisrael besides Yeshua and Kalev. How did they know Moshe? They didn't know Moshe growing up in Mitzrayim as a kid. They only knew Moshe as Kriyas Yamsuf, Mon, Harsinai. And he bring, if he brings them in, that's it. They would have substituted, the Meshachachma said, they would have substituted the Egel for Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's another reason. But So there was already that danger there, that mentality, says the Ramban. They had to be very clear. They took a little bit of the credit. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm sorry. That was the problem and that was the Chilul Hashem. That was the Chilul Hashem. That's the Ramban's Pshat. Just to add on to this idea, maybe to get a, a little more understanding, says Rav Ruchim in Source 8, he's not talking about the Ramban, but I think it fits in exactly to the Ramban's pshat, and that is, why is the dafka the punishment? They take the credit, and therefore, Kashbrach says, you can't go into Eretz Yisrael. Says, there, says Rav Ruchim, we know the Gemara tells us, it's also in Pirkei Avos, Kol HaOmer Dover B'Shem Amro, Mevi Geula La'olam. If I say something in the name of someone else, I bring Geula. I bring Geula to the world. It says Rav Yeruchim, if I don't give somebody the credit, if I don't give the original source the credit, then I am removed as helping with the Geula la'olam. They all of a sudden said, Hamin hasela hazen notzi! Notzi? No, it's not notzi. It's not notzi. You say notzi, so you're not part of the Geula process anymore. That's what Rav Yeruchim says. On line five, Hagol Hamite, he knew Vade Moshe Rabbeinu. Yes, Moshe Rabbeinu uh, was the Goel, and he took part of the process. But the second he stopped giving the credit to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, B'shem Amro. So end of Rabbi Yeruchim, Ad Kan Goel Velo Yoser, Ho Riduhu Me'em Daso. Up until there, that's all. You can't help me anymore. So we have the three, I would say the three classic pshatim in the chait. Again, all of the achronim have their own pshat as well. But you can't move without first doing the Ramban. So we have Rashi, the Rambam, and the Ramban in terms of the pshat of what exactly was the, was the chait. Just to end off with one more thought. And that is, we know there is a general concept in Yahadus that's spoken about many times of year, but most during Elul. And that's what's called Cheshben HaNefesh. Cheshben HaNefesh. Got to make a Cheshben HaNefesh. What's a Cheshben HaNefesh? So the Bali Musa, the Bali Machshav, all point out that we have to sit and think about our lives every so often. I can't just go through life. Zoom. Right? The real Bali Musa, right? Every day, every night, every night we should take two minutes. Take two minutes and think about our day. What did I like about my day? What did I not like about my day? 
I once had a Rebbe in Yeshiva. We did it for, remember, we did it for a couple of months. Um, it's, it works. At night, have a little pad next to your bed and just write down one thing that we were happy with about the day and one thing we were not happy with. It'll just, it'll make us review the day and we can see after a week, like if there's a pattern. If there's something that I'm happy that I'm doing, something that I'm not happy that I'm doing. Oh, I had a good benching. I, I was upset about this. But, but that's, that's the concept of a cheshbon nefesh, Right? Every day, every week, every month, every year, every year we always have it. That's, that's, that's Elul. Elul is all about cheshbon nefesh. The source of that concept is a pasuk in this week's parsha. The source of making, having a cheshbon nefesh. It's a Gemara, but the Gemara is quoted at the end of the third parak of Mesul Sisharim. Mesul Sisharim, the Ramchal, or Moshe Chaim Lusato, quotes in the third parak, which is all about Zahirus. We know that the Ramchal and Mesul Sisharim is based on different Midos. It's based on a Brysa from Mesechus of Zara, Zrizos, Zahirus, Zrizos, goes through all the Midos, Nikios, um, traveling up the spiritual ladder. So the Mesul Sisharim talks about Zahirus. We'll get to the Pasuk at the end. But let's just first review this. If we want to think about our lives, and not just do, but also think, and hopefully we're on the right track, there's two aspects. Number one, think about our goals, our general goals, where the good things I want to get to and the things that I want to stay away from. Our general goals... And number two, to see if my actions that I'm doing is achieve, are achieving those goals. Right? That's a cheshbon ha-nefesh. Stopping and thinking. How many of us have a moment to think? When do we have a moment to think? When do we ever just sit and think, okay, what did I do today? We just don't. But that's what the Ramchal says. It's the first step. The first step in any improvement in our lives. Is, is this... Uh, is this is this idea? Second column. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Klal adavar yehi adam ma'ayin al ma'is of kulam u'mifakeach al kol drachav shalolaniach la'atzma hergol ra u'midara. So we don't just like go with the flow. We live life by rote. Kol shekain avir vafesha. So we have to be medactic. We need any roet sarech la'adam. He gives a mashal. She medactic v'shokol drachav dvar yom biyoma b'sochrim gedolim. You ever speak to somebody in business? How often does he check his books? Every six months. Every six months I'll check him. Are you crazy? How much money are you going to lose? You know, every six months I have an accountant here, right? What if you say, I'm not going to check, I'm not going to do my check, I'm not going to check my balance in my account, I'm not going to check my, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to spend and spend, whatever, that's it. Talk to me once a year, once a year. Talk to me April 1st, okay, two weeks before. That's it. What are you crazy? You're going to go bankrupt. Says the Ramchal, why is Ruchnius any different? We're going to go bankrupt. That's a check, checks and balances. Says the Ramchal, why should it be worse? We care more about our money? This is the concept called Cheshben HaNefesh. Where does this come from? It's not, a, it's not an idea of the Bali Musr, and it's not revealed. Sir Al-Salantra didn't come up with the idea. The Gemara came up with the idea based on the passing in this week's Parsha. And that's in the last paragraph. The Moshlim say, let us go to Cheshbon. Cheshbon was really a city, but Chazal Darshin, Al Kain Yomru Hamoshlim Biyitzram. 
Moshlim beans. This is Chafal Chavzayin. Those who are Moshel on their Yetzers. Bo'u unachashev cheshbono shel olam. Cheshbon means, let's think about our lives. Hefsen mitzvah k'neged schara t'schara veira k'neged hefsetas. This is something that we have to do as Thomas has started. Unless we think that Thomas is not a good time for a cheshbon on Efesh, I think I mentioned in the past there's a Zohar. The Zohar says that there were six months that were given to Bnei Yisrael and there were six months that were given to the Satan. Six months and six months. Nisani or Sivan were given to Bnei Yisrael. Tamaz of El were given to the Satan. Tishrei, Chesh, and Kislev were given to Bnei Yisrael. Tebi, Shvan, Adar were given to the Satan. Six and six. Says the Zohar, we took back Adar with the story of Purim. We took back El with Shuvah that we do every year. Mashiach's going to come when we take back the other four months. Tamuz Av, Teve Shvat. Those four months, which were the, the heat of the summer and the heat of the winter and the, the coldness of the winter, where it's the hardest to get out of bed, it's hot, it's cold, we've got to take back those four months. As we start Tamuz, the season of Tamuz and Av, we have to make sure that we don't, uh, we don't take a back seat. Right? Elul's coming early this year. Elul's coming early this year. It's not coming, it's coming, it's coming when it's supposed to come. But we like to say it's coming early this year. But again, this is something that... Uh, Parshas Chukas, maybe as a wake-up call, Cheshbon HaNefesh, Yomru HaMoshlim, Bo'u Cheshbon. Okay, Hashem, next year will be Monday night. Monday night, Hashem, right here, 845.